0: Thank you very much. Um, I'll start with uh, uh, Mr. Cohen, but I'm going to actually go down the line. Um, At our hearing last month, uh, tribal leaders testified that producers and traffickers routinely target Indian reservations due to the jurisdictional maze and the resulting gaps in law enforcement. What are your agencies doing to reduce those gaps? I'll start with you, Mr. Cohen. Thank you for the question, uh, Chairman Schatz. I I,
1: I think that uh, there are clearly seams between some of the law enforcement efforts, but organizations like the HIDA that comes out of uh, the ONDCP are synchronizers of that kind of uh, effort, and they try to fill those gaps as best as possible.
0: Yeah, I get the structure, and I'm not trying to be adversarial here. I get the structure, right, and that would be the concept, but then I hear from the tribal leaders who feel like, best laid plans, right, that there still remain these gaps. So how do we how do we close them on the ground?
1: Well, uh, it's important for us to continue to uh, drive home the idea of the force multiplying impact of the multi-agency. Uh, in the HIDA program, we have uh, 33 HIDAs nationwide. 14 of them are directly engaged with uh, tribal nations across the United States and tribal law enforcement. Uh, we've actually had quite a bit of success in those 14 in those 14, they seized over 14, $414 million uh, in uh, assets over the last year. Uh, there are places for improvement, but I think that we're actually, our investments are being well spent
0: so far. Ms. So-
2: Thank you for that question, Chairman. So the the work that we are doing at the Indian Health Service is collaborating across HHS first. I want to make sure that all of my colleagues at, at HHS understand the challenges of Indian country that I referenced in my earlier statement about the trip out to South Dakota. For, for some of my colleagues, that's first time out in Indian country. So understanding some of the challenges, the distances that, that our people have to drive, and the limited resources that we have to address this is the first step. Then there are other uh, tools that we are building now and continue to build with our tribal partners to talk about and to develop strategies by which we can address these in working very closely with our tribal partners for each community because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And so looking at that, utilizing the resources that we have have to make sure that they are put out there in Indian country to again work with our partners to develop the best practices that can be shared across Indian country. So for you in
0: particular and I'm going to get to Ms. Waldorf but but, but to, for you in particular you have the kind of inter and intra agency stuff right because you have SAMHSA and some other agencies that may not have deep familiarity with working with with um, with Indian country so you kind of have to work within your sort of parent agency and then across agencies so I want to. I'm going to turn this into a question for the record, partly because I feel like these hearings can be a little bit of a gotcha. um, But I'm also not satisfied that we are filling the gaps. I think we're trying. I think we have. You know, it's sort of like like a golf coach. I'm not a golfer, but uh, not a good golfer. But it's sort of like keep your eye on the ball. Like a bunch of you know a bunch of things that we ought to be doing. Sure, we ought to be doing that. But executing that is the hard part. And I don't quite see the execution. Not because I have special visibility, but because tribal leaders told me that, you know, as recently as last month. So I don't think we're there yet. I, this is not a personal criticism, but I do think we need to do a little more work in this space. Um, Ms. Waldriff.
3: Thank you, Chairman. The Department of Justice and individual U.S. attorneys' offices have jurisdiction to prosecute federal drug crimes. And there can be a jurisdictional uh, challenge in addressing other violent crimes on Indian reservations, depending on the jurisdictional makeup of each individual state. The United States Attorney's Offices, consistent with Savannah's Act and the Department of Justice guidelines, each Uh, office works very closely with the tribal partners in their district. And for every tribe, we develop an operational plan to ensure that we can fill any jurisdictional gaps and have appropriate investigative resources available so that we can build cases and have them charged federally as appropriate.
0: In my remaining time, is that something that you are doing in the Eastern District or that every U.S. attorney is, uh, is doing as a matter of DOJ policy?
3: Chairman, both. In uh, the Department of Justice, every United States Attorney's Office has uh, a operational plan for working with each individual tribe for which they consult with the tribes to get valuable input to ensure that the tribe is weighing in on what are the largest needs for that community so that the United States Attorney's Office can be responsive to those needs.
0: Thank you very much. Vice Chair Murkowski.
4: Thank you. Chairman, thank you to our witnesses. I want to start with you, Deputy Director uh, Cohen. Um, you know, I've, I've been a big supporter of what Haida does. I think we've we've seen some some results overall in Alaska. Um, you mentioned in your written testimony that the Haida Tribal Task Force uh, across the country been able to seize four hundred fourteen million in illicit drugs, cash, and other assets from traffickers. Um, in total all Hayders have seized an estimated twenty two billion dollars just in twenty twenty two alone, allowing a return of eighty eighty two dollars for every one dollar spent on their budget. So it sounds like this is uh, this is an effort that is worth funding. The question is, is we've you've got a relatively large return there. Um, we've heard from everybody on this panel and we we know in this committee that the 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 those that are being most impacted right now uh, disproportionately are American Indians, Alaska Natives, Native Hawaiians. So you've got uh, $290 million going towards uh, the HIDA program, apparently, in in the FY24 budget. And I'm curious to know whether we have specific tribal priorities or set-asides included in that funding. So do you have a portion that is set aside for this population that we have identified is clearly being most impacted right now?
1: My my understanding of the of the proposal for the 24 budget is that there is not a dedicated set aside. There is
4: Should there be? given I, given the statistics given what we know given the impact um on Indian country, on Alaska Natives, Native Hawaiians?
1: I think it's something that's worth considering. The, the important thing to understand about the HIDA program, as you've noted, is that um, there is there is genuine return on investment. Right. But most importantly is this idea that uh, the HIDAs are locally driven law enforcement strategies. It is not Washington telling the field how to operate. Um, so what you have is 33 HIDAs across the United States which are bringing together federal, local, state, and tribal law enforcement, and more pointedly for this hearing, uh, in in 14 instances, tribal law enforcement directly partnering with law enforcement to create the force multiplier that I mentioned a moment ago. And the fact that they can actually look at what's going on in their community and try to tailor their law enforcement approach is critically important to us.
4: So let me, let me ask also then um, to you, we understand that the White House is developing this clearinghouse for, for tribes to apply for federal funding. Um, we hear very clearly that you've got tribal leaders commenting that it's been hard um, to access the federal resources. It's a, it's a cumbersome process, apparently. When is this clearinghouse expected to go live? And what, what have we done to make sure that the processors, processes are easier for the tribes to apply for the funding?
1: So uh, at last year's Tribal Summit, we heard a lot of feedback from the tribes that it was very difficult for them to manage Grants.gov and figure out all these different locations to gather resources. So the White House has launched this effort to try to create this clearinghouse. We are in the midst of doing that. I don't have a a date for you today. I could try to get back to you with a little bit more fidelity. But we are working very hard to ensure that that clearinghouse is the user-friendly clearinghouse that we've heard from the field that we need. Well, From an I, ONDCP perspective, we are going to make sure that ONDCP resources are in that clearinghouse, uh, and then we also have at ONDCP a forward-facing uh, uh, location where tribes can go to find all drug-related, narcotics-related grants.
4: Well, and, and, and again, we hear this a lot. We, we put in place these programs, uh, we fund these programs, and then it is, it's just hard for those on the ground, for the tribes to actually be able to access them, so we may as well just be, just be putting it out there and, and, and putting a glass wall um, in terms of access, so we've got to address that, so I would urge you to, to move on this clearinghouse to make this process easier. I, I, I tell you, and this is more this is not necessarily a question to anyone, but I, I, I come from a state where the only way in, the only way in for these drugs is when they come through the mail and when they come on an airplane on somebody's body. It's two ways, because you're not driving it in. Um, You know, very few are, are, are boating it in. Our reality is we know that it's being flown in. And the fact that it's getting into these tiny, tiny, tiny little villages where the only way in is that bush carrier and knowing that in that cargo hold or on that person are hundreds maybe a thousand fentanyl pills that could wipe out every single person in that village and then some that we can't we can't figure out how we can address the flow into these rural communities it's 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 killing us in a way that is just it's It's beyond, it's beyond comprehension, really.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Thank you, Vice Chair. Senator Cantwell.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I think I'm kind of going to follow you, the two of you, in this line of questioning and just keep digging on why this is such a prevalent problem for the populations that we're talking about and, uh, Mr. Melville, it's good to know that you're enrolled McCaw because it means you know what remote is and how remote Indian country can be. I want to welcome the Akama Nation who is here, too, in the audience. The amount of volume that we're uncovering in Indian country in various reservations, whether you're talking about the Colville and 160,000-plus pills for a population of about 7,000 people— of enrolled members or Yakima or some of these other places says to me that it's not just the population that they're after that perhaps this is also a location to run operations out of because there aren't enough law enforcement in the region is are are we seeing data on this? We have this big bust up in Lummi and Lummi very close to the Canadian border. We needed the help of the FBI to bust up that ring. So are we seeing people not just preying on this population, which they clearly are preying on this population, as Senator Murkowski described, but in addition, is it just a good place to operate their facilities from? Does anybody have a comment on that? Mr. Mr. Melville.
6: Thank you, Senator. Uh, absolutely. So there is... Uh, a well-known fact uh, in the Mexican cartels that if you can go onto an Indian reservation and work your way into an Indian reservation, that that's an area that they know that they can try to utilize and, and, and manipulate because they know that the tribal police officers, they're only really you know in charge or, or looking at the tribal police there or tribal members, um, visitors. There's the myriad of jurisdiction everywhere you go. Uh, Washington is especially, uh, uh, difficult you know, with tribal jurisdiction, state jurisdiction, federal jurisdiction. So they figured out that that's a, that's a place that they want to try to go and get a foothold. And, um, uh, it's very, very difficult in some of these remote areas for these task forces to be able to operate. Because as soon as you drive onto the Makai Indian Reservation, everybody knows you're there already. There's one way in, one way out. Um, and so any strange cars come in that they're not known, people talk about it. Um, if you're driving a SUV that looks like a government vehicle, you're not going to be doing being able to do much um, uh, surveillance. So uh, things, our uh, drug division is very, very um, intuitive and, and inventive on the way that they try to get into those areas and try to uh, work with the, the tribes and the, and the task forces to, to try to, root that out. And so that's one of the things that they work on, but it's very, very difficult um, area to work in.
5: Anybody else on that point? Yes.
3: Thank you, Senator. There are certainly challenges in addressing the trafficking of drugs in rural communities, and you've identified a lot of them the same strategies that we have found uh, throughout rural communities in eastern washington have been effective in addressing drug trafficking on our tribal lands as well and that is really trying to have uh, using resources like haida and our task force uh, safe trails task forces so that we have accurate information from our tribal law enforcement members because they really know what's going on on the ground and so if those task force uh, those Tribal law enforcement members can be either task force officers or have the special law enforcement commissions. Those are extremely valuable tools for us to be able to bring federal prosecutions effectively.
5: Well, Senator uh, Mullen and I both have sponsored legislation, the Tribal Law Enforcement Parity Act, which would help tribes with law enforcement self-governance contracts in retaining law enforcement, and so certainly support that. I certainly support more resources for local Task force bottom up, but I was also trying to get at just this notion that not only are they preying on a population, they're also finding a good place to hide. Is that correct?
3: There are challenges in rural communities, and we have that throughout the Eastern District, um, both in and around the Yakima area and the Yakima Valley, as well as in North uh, East Washington, where there are rural communities that can be areas to hide those drugs. What we do to try to uh, address that and to effectively prosecute these cases is having the most effective information sharing that we possibly can, which is using all of our information sharing resources such as HIDA, our task forces, and our DEA and BIA uh, cross-designated partners.
5: And just to be clear, what is the data change that we need to do that you think is who, – who do you think needs to get us better data
3: we can always be uh, partnering with this committee to try to provide the the data information uh, that that we can. We're working with our tribal partners on gathering that information, and would be happy to support this uh, committee's interest in additional information about the impact of fentanyl in our Indian country communities.
5: Thank you. I know my, I know my time's expired, Mr. Chairman, but I do think that um, improving the data connection was something the Northwest. Indian Health Board out of Portland has talked about, and I know leaders here that we need to we'll get something for the record asking Director Cohen about that. Thank you.
7: Senator Mullen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and, and thank you for holding this, this hearing. Thank you to all the panelists. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be raised in any country my whole life, still live there and uh, raise my kids there uh, to this day. And uh, the opioid crisis, which started this whole drug crisis has led to the fentanyl crisis, is uh, touched all of us. All of us that live in any country, we all have family members that it's touched um, very close. Most of us probably say we have family members that have been locked up uh, because of a, a use of drugs or they got cut up worse. And so it's very personal to me, and I was happy to to work with the Trump administration on trying to address this, uh, and, um, and I, I thought we went a pretty – pretty good uh, pretty good way on actually just identifying some of the issues and in fact in front of me i have a very detailed 30-page report uh to congress from bia on the opioid reduction task force that was uh put in in 2018 and, and 2019 these are two detailed pages right here and i'd like to submit it for record if that's okay chairman uh and and i, I will i'll tell you that I haven't heard anything, and I, this is no backhand because Indian country is bigger than politics. It's it's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. In fact, most of us say, "Just get the heck out of our way. Let's live our lives." That's what we've always wanted to do. But uh, but I haven't heard anything from this administration. Not a word. And and I helped with this task force. I helped uh, bring some reality to it. I I, I brought up different law enforcement through the Cherokee Marshals or uh, Light Horse or whatever task force it was to deal directly with them. And I'm just, I'm at a loss. And so, uh, sir, I've got a couple of questions for you. And and one of them is really, who's running the opioid task force for OGS right now? OJS, I guess, not OGS, OJS.
6: Thank you, Senator. Uh, Right now, the opioid task force uh, really hasn't been um, something that's been followed up on as much as it uh, should have.
7: And, and that's a problem. It's a huge problem. This isn't politics. This is about our families. I could ask almost every tribal member out here, how do you all know that, they're, that grandparents are raising the third generation of their kids? Not their grandkids, their great-grandkids now, because two generations have been lost. I see heads bobbing everywhere. Let me bob my head. Uh, I have I have three adopted children right now because of drugs uh, that came from Iqua, Cherokee tribal members, and we have a we have an administration that that says they're f- for Indian country, but this task force was put in place and it was being pretty dang effective, and no one's heading it up now. How you going after fentanyl? You're not going after op- opioids. They're a heck of a lot easier to get your hands on. And it's the foundation. Does anybody argue that point? It's the foundation to these drugs? Because the opioid is where the accidental overdose took place. It's where they accidentally got addicted. It's because they were prescribed by IHS IHS doctors after a surgery or a back pain or an injury. And they took it according to the doctor's recommendations and yet we all know after seven to ten days, thirty percent of the population is going to be dependent on it. And then when they quit getting that, they go on to fentanyl. Yet we don't have a task force for it anymore. There's a problem. Have we seen any arrests from OJS? Uh, do we know what their arrests are for? Um, uh, uh, underneath the arrests for seizures on the southwest border since 2018 and 2019, do we, how many people's been arrested or drugs been seized?
6: Sir, I don't have the numbers in front of me about who's been arrested. Yeah. But we've done an amazing job this year uh, under this administration working on prosecution, uh, not only just catching uh, people that are coming across with drugs, but okay, also... Okay, well,
7: I, let me, I'll them. switch that question. Then. Ma'am, how many, have, how many of which two have been convicted now?
3: I don't have that data in front of me. Can so we get that, so that data? There? But we can absolutely provide information regarding... Because I can
7: get pretty close to what's happened in our country. Most of them are going unprosecuted. The rest are being—they're being arrested, but they're not being prosecuted. In fact, when you deal with the FBI, the FBI says, "Listen, we're just trying to deal with the most heinous crimes in any country right now." Is that different than what you're hearing? No. Go ahead and be loud for the record, so I can hear that. No. No. So we're not even prosecuting these individuals. That's a problem. That's a huge, huge problem. So we're up here and we're talking about fentanyl, we're talking about the opioid crisis, and we're doing nothing for it. This is all dog and pony show, because I'm living in it, and it's worse now than it's been. And this is not, guys. I'm, I'm I, for my Democrat colleagues. This isn't about politics to me. I could care less because this is my backyard. This is my home. This is my family. Has nothing to do with Republicans. Nothing to do with Democrats. This has to do with getting the drugs off our streets, and you can't seize it and think it's not going to come back if you don't prosecute, if you don't get the offenders the off the ground. I'm not talking about the users. I'm talking about the dealers. If you don't get them off our streets, what good does it do? In fact, it just breeds more dealers because they know they won't be prosecuted. It's a hole, and we need help with it. And I just... I, I'm. I, I'm just trying to help, sir. I know over my time, I'm just trying to help open people's eyes because maybe you don't see it because you don't live it. And that's why I'm saying I do. And I am willing to work with anybody on this, including this administration, to just help get these. I, ma'am, I know you want to do your job. I know you do. So it not on you. And, sir, I know you do, too. Help us help you. What do we need to do? i yield back.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Senator Cortez Masto.
8: Well, let me follow that um, because I, I, I absolutely I agree with you. So he, here's what I know. Um, Nevada is 110,000 um, square miles. There's 3 million people live there. There's 28 tribal communities. Uh, I know, I'm working there in law enforcement, that the Mexican cartels use the distance of uh, vast deserts and areas to peddle their drugs. And they get into some of our tribal communities. I also know of the 28 tribal communities, not all of them have law enforcement. And they rely on BIA. My challenge is with BIA, and this is what I want to hear, is they're under resources and understaffed. In Nevada, the BIA comes from three different regions. And just recently, I was with the Fort McDermott paiute shoshone tribe, which is on the border of Nevada and Oregon, talking with the tribe and the BIA agents. There's not enough of them to cover that territory, those vast distances, and the other territory that they have to cover if they're coming from Arizona or California or wherever they're coming from. I also will tell you that every U.S. attorney's office, and I thank you for being here, but everyone's going to be unique and different. Some are, be, are very aggressive when it comes to staffing AUSAs when it, on uh, tribal communities and working with the FBI who are assigned to it to go after the crime there, and some are not. That's part of the problem. So my first question, I guess, to Mr. Melville is be honest with us. Tell us you need more BIA agents. And what do you need to staff those BIA agents? And is that enough? I will add one final thing here. I just got off the phone this past week. We lost two police officers, NHP police officers in southern Nevada. going to be at the funeral tomorrow. And I was head, uh, talking with the head of our DPS, he literally wants to enter into an agreement to, with our, some of our tribes to be able to provide investigation and law enforcement, but BIA and Interior is blocking that. So uh, what is the answer here? If we can't have BIA be honest with us and tell us the resources you need to cover the territory, have our AUSAs, U.S. attorneys, our FBI agents, by the way, who are not tasked uh, all uh, enough resources to go after the, a lot of the drugs we see and the activity that we have that happens here. What do we do? And what do the tribes do? We also know the tribes, most of the crime is by non-Indians. And how do we handle that? So uh, we are all asking for answers. Uh, that's why I have the Badges Act. That's why the Parity Act is here. That's why there's a lot of work trying to get at how do we staff this and address the, the challenges, the complexity of it but I've always wanted BIA to be here, and I'm asking you, what do we need to do? You are understaffed. Tell us why, what is going on, and what, what else you need?
6: Thank you, ma'am. Um, I'll be honest with you. The uh, issue of lacking law enforcement in Indian country is a lack of interest in being in law enforcement by qualified Indians that uh, you know, don't really want to go into law enforcement, don't really want to be part of that anymore. We're uh, actively working with youth to try to bring in some interest to understand that law enforcement is not a bad career, that it's a place where you can serve your, your people and serve your, your country.
8: So are you telling me that you've, you have you uh, have open positions for BIA agents and you can't fill those positions? That is correct. And the reason why you can't fill those positions is because of a lack of interest or because the salary and the retention, the benefits are not enough?
6: Oh, I'm working on the salary and benefits. We're, we're working on the... Uh, Pay parity for um, our law enforcement officers. Uh, our police officers, when I took over, were uh, GS-083s. They d- stepped out at uh, GS-8. We've now moved them to the 1801 series, of law enforcement officer, professionalized them to uh, the Department Standards along with every other bureau and most every other bureau in uh, Department of Interior. And now they uh, get out to, to GS-11 wages. So that's living wages for our police officers. That's for OJS direct service. Um, so,
8: in the meantime, as you're trying to retain more officers to cover the territory that you need, even at the capacity that you have, do you need more officers? Number one. And two, are you opposed to entering into agreements with local law enforcement, state law enforcement, to help cover the territory when tribes don't have tribal law enforcement?
6: Absolutely not, ma'am. I want uh, Indian country to be as safe as possible. I want um, departments, tribal, local, federal, everybody to be able to work together um, in cooperative agreements, in mutual aid agreements, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. If somebody needs police assistance, I don't want anybody to think, okay, what badge or what color uniform is coming to help me? All I'm getting is police service when I need it.
8: So I know my time is up, and thank you, because... I, 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 we're going to follow up. I want answers to all of this, so we are providing the resources we need. But let me ask um, Ms. Waldruff, thank you for being here. How many AUSAs do you have assigned to tribal communities?
3: My office has uh, 40 AUSA positions, and I would say probably half of our AUSAs are doing work that impact our tribal nations. What does that mean?
8: They're actually prosecuting cases?
3: yes. We have prosecutors, um, we have a dedicated uh, Indian country liaison Mm -hmm. who is our, you know, uh, on-the-ground force talking with all of our tribal nations, and actually I'm very excited to uh, be having one of the MMIP AUSA, uh, who is going to be hired in eastern Washington, joining our team as well, serving the entire western region to collaborate and to provide better resources for... And how
8: many FBI agents are working with you for tribal communities? For our...
3: entire region we have two ssras and i would say it's about nine to ten fbi agents serving our tribal communities in eastern washington thank you
8: that is more uh, thank you and I, I know i'm done and i'm, I'm going to run over right time but that not every AUSA, not every u.s attorney's office uh, devotes that entire what you have done to tribal community everyone is unique and some are missing out on providing that type of um Uh, enforcement and prosecution. And that's part of the challenge we see. So thank you.